Uh, I know adults sometimes struggle with this, but we're going to all use our imagination. Okay? You can do that. Everybody's awake enough to use your imagination. Uh, my high school, the football team did not have cuts. And I, I think most high schools, the football team doesn't have cuts. So I want you to imagine yourself in this situation. You approach the, the coach of the football team and you say, hey coach, I want to be part of the team. Yeah, cool. We'd love to have you. Here's the playbook, you know, worked. No, no, I'm good. I, I'm not interested in the playbook. I'm, I'm trusting that there are other players on the team who will know the plays. Okay, that's kind of weird, but we've got practice on these days, you know, the, no, 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 that's okay. I don't, I, I really don't want to come to practice. That'd be too much time. I have my own stuff going on. I'm not interested in practicing with the team. All right. Um, well, you know, we've got, we, we do a team, we watch game film, we at least like once a week, you know, no, no, I'm good. I don't need to watch game film. I don't need to learn. I don't need to, to, to improve. Okay. Uh, well, we've got team dinner on Friday night or like Friday before they get, no, no, that's okay. I, I have no interest in going to the dinner. Okay. Um, are you, are you going to be at the game Friday? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll show up. I'll show up to the game every Friday. Okay, great. Well, you know, we'll try and get you in. Um, even if you don't know the plays, maybe we can put you in on like kickoff return or something or no, no, I, I don't want to play in the game. Oh, okay. Uh, so what are you looking for? Well, I just want to wear the uniform and sit on the sideline. At some point, don't you think, well, why'd you want to be part of the team? Don't you want to help the team win? Like, Sam, don't you? Okay, you haven't studied the playbook, but I still want to get you in the game so you can help the team win. Oh, I want the team to win. I just don't want to give any effort to that. I'm trusting that my teammates will do the work to help the team win. Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? We're going to talk about evangelism this morning. We're wrapping up the series on spiritual disciplines. And we're going to talk about evangelism. And then we're going to do a recap of all the disciplines. And we have to ask ourselves, am I that kid who shows up for the football team is like, no, no, I don't want the playbook. I don't want the practice. I don't want the team dinners. I don't want to watch game film. I don't want to get in the game. I just want to sit on the sideline. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, then why would you join the team? Well, I don't want to go to hell. Right? I believe in Jesus because I just I don't want to go to hell. Okay, well then is Jesus your Lord or is Jesus your get-out-of-jail-free insurance policy? And we have to ask ourselves, is it appropriate to relegate Jesus to just an insurance policy instead of admitting that he is our Lord? And we are, we are saying that I will surrender to what you want for my life. I will give my life to what you command of it. But please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that your word says, teach us your ways so that we may walk in them. God, we cannot do this on our own. Paul writes that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Lord, I've painfully seen that in my own life far too regularly. So God, empower this family. Remind us that we are indwelt as believers. We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And we are called to live in the Spirit, to walk in step with the Spirit, to imitate Jesus. And we need you to teach us how to do that. Burden our hearts for this, God. If we're here and our heart isn't burdened for this, then start there. If we're going through a period where the weight seems too much, God, remind us of your inexpressible joy. 
Remind us that those who wait on you are lifted up on wings like eagles. God, lift this church up. Lead this family. Burden this family. Use this family for your glory, for the glory of Jesus the King. And it's only in Jesus' name that we even have the ability to come before your throne. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that we can stand before you, your word says, with confidence, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is and what he has done. We thank you that Jesus lives and is interceding for us even now. That is... God, I'm so sorry for my sin that made that necessary. I thank you for the intercession of Christ. Intercede for us now, Jesus. Teach us in this moment. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So what did we say was the purpose of this series? We looked at what is the purpose of believers. If you, if you recall all the way back to the first week when we introduced this series, and we looked at all those stats on the negative impact of not having purpose in your life. Right? We looked at how not having purpose, not knowing what your purpose is, affects you mentally, it affects you emotionally, it affects you relationally. It, I mean, every element of life gets worse for people who don't feel like they have purpose, like they don't have reason, or they don't know what it is. And we looked at for the believer, the beautiful gift is that we know what our purpose is, so we don't ever have to deal with that question, do I have purpose today? Because God has said, yes, you have purpose, here it is. And we looked at, he says in Thessalonians, he says, this is God's will, your sanctification, your holiness, your process of growing to become more like Jesus. So this, this series, we've looked at different disciplines that are modeled in Scripture, laid out in Scripture, commanded in Scripture to aid us. What else does Scripture say? It says, train yourselves for godliness. God does this, but we are not passive in this. We are meant to actively engage in pursuing a training of holiness, of righteousness. And so we come to this week on evangelism. Because the bottom line is, we cannot say that we are relentlessly pursuing an imitation of Jesus if we are not involved in evangelism. Luke 4.43 the disciples come to Jesus, has been in a town, he's been in, he's been in Mansfield, things are going well in Mansfield, everybody's happy to talk to him about Mansfield. He's got this little bubble of believers, people who are excited about his ministry. And so the disciples are like, hey, let's stay here, let's stay within our bubble, where it's comfortable and it's safe and it's easy. And Jesus says, no, no, I need to go to the other towns to preach to them to preach the good news of the gospel, depending on how your translation puts it. But he says, Jesus says, he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. Why? For I was sent for this purpose. So if I say, Jesus, I want to be like you in every single way, then your purpose must be my purpose. Jesus said, my purpose is to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to everyone. Right, that's why I, I do nice things. And I'm, you know, very quietly, just a very nice, gracious, gentle person. That's fantastic. That's missing the mark. 
The word Jesus uses, I must preach, he uses euangelizo, where we get evangelism. It means, I mean, it literally means to verbally proclaim. So Jesus says, my purpose is to verbally proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to those who don't know it. This is the purpose of my ministry on this earth. So if I'm saying, Jesus, I want to be like you, you cannot avoid a discipline of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. They're inextricable, right? Dawson, your job is in sales. You're selling refrigerators, okay? I want you to go out and I want you to recruit as many customers as possible, but you are not, you just can't talk about refrigerators. It's impossible. This is my job. My job is to talk about refrigerators. Guys, our, our job is to talk about the kingdom of God. I, I mean, you, you can't avoid it. That it is, it is crystal clear we are sent to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God. Well, yeah, that's why we've got preachers. I mean, I literally call you preacher on a Sunday morning, right? We call Mario preacher. That's why we have you two. You're half right. Mario and I are absolutely responsible to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. It's not because of our job, our vocation. Consider who's responsible for this. Acts 8, starting in verse 1 and then verse 4. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. The church, the body of believers are still gathered in Jerusalem. The gospel has not left Jerusalem. So you have the believers all gathered there together. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Acts 1.8 says, Acts 1.8, Jesus gives, he, where he says, the Holy Spirit will come. We're going to look at the verse a little bit later. But he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will have power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh-oh, the apostles are stuck in Jerusalem. The leadership is stuck in Jerusalem. How is the gospel going to go to Judea and Samaria where everyone else has been scattered? They were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. The gospel spread when the people took ownership of it. The gospel spread when the people said, this is my responsibility. This is my privilege. This is my joy. If you had the cure for cancer, would you be like, oh, fine, I'll go tell somebody. No, you'd be breaking down every door of the hospitals in this world until somebody listened to you. David Livingston famously said, if we would consider a commission from an earthly king to be an honor... Why do we consider a commission from the heavenly king to be a burden? We have to flip our perspective. We have to realize that as a believer, this is my right. This is my joy. This is my mandate. These are my marching orders from the general. This is not up for discussion. This is not up for debate or negotiation. This is, are you kidding me? I get to do this? This is awesome. I can't wait to spread the gospel. I can't wait to share the good news of the kingdom of God. Because that's when it spread, when the people who were scattered preached the word. If they would have sat back and said, no, no, that's for the apostles. I'm not as eloquent as Peter. 
I, I haven't read as much as John. I'm not as, I'm not as comfortable talking to people as Luke. I don't know as many people as Mark. Well, Matthew, Matthew's better connected than me. No, the people who were scattered said, okay, and they preached the gospel. And it's incredible to see what happens in the rest of Acts. Acts 18, 1, 3 through 4. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Why do we talk about Paul now? Well, because another reason that we use is, well, my past, right? If people knew my past, I haven't earned the right to share the gospel. Guys, Paul, if you don't know Scripture, if you're not familiar with it, Paul used to be named Saul. And Saul was the single most avid persecutor of the church that the world knew at that time. I mean, he literally did such a good job persecuting the church in Jerusalem that he went to. If you look in Acts 8, it starts with Stephen was just stoned and Paul oversaw it. Stephen was the first martyr, and Paul oversees it, and he approves of it. And he goes to the leadership in Jerusalem, and he's like, hey, give me papers so that I have the authority to go throughout our whole area, our whole region, our whole kingdom, and persecute the church. Then Saul meets Jesus, and Jesus renames Saul Paul. And Paul now says, okay, it is my responsibility to try and convince people of the gospel. He says he reasoned with them and tried to persuade. Apologetics. Apologetics is a big fancy word for trying to persuade. If you talk about the study of apologetics, you're talking about the study of how we know Scripture to be true, like the argument for Christianity, the argument for Jesus. So if anybody ever tries to tell you that apologetics is an outdated you're starting to hear that in different circles, apologetics is that's in the past, right? You just live a good life. Like, no, apologetics is not in the past because Paul literally says, I tried to persuade. I engaged in intellectual conversation where I laid out the reasoning and the logic for the gospel. That's apologetics. Paul does this regardless of his past as Saul. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. And I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Oh, what happened? What happened to you? Paul writing this letter to the church in Philippi. Wow, what has happened to you that has caused the gospel to so greatly advance? It has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Wait a minute. The leader entered a more restrictive situation and that helped advance the gospel? The leader had his freedom taken away? The leader had his platform taken away and that helped advance the gospel? What does Paul go on to say? He says, Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. If I had to go to jail so that 10 of you would start preaching the gospel every week, yeah, that's a better trade-off. 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Paul says, It was great that I went to jail. Because it emboldened the rest of the church to preach the gospel. And the gospel advanced. This is what we are all as believers called to do. It's unavoidable. I'm not good at this. I'm not comfortable with this. 
This is new to me. This is scary to me. I can't do this. Well, let's amend that statement. I on my own cannot do this. Believers, are you on your own? Acts 1, 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Ephesians 3, 20-21, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, some translations will say all we ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3, 5-8, The church in Corinth is starting to argue about who's Who's more important? Who's more significant? Apollos, Peter, right? They're like, oh, this leader, my leader is better than your leader, so I'm better than you, right? And we get this letter from Paul, and he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. Every single believer is fully capable of sharing the gospel in an effective way. Not because of who you are, but because of the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what to say. Scripture tells us that in tough times, the Holy Spirit calls to mind what to say. I don't have scripture memorized. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will call to mind the things that we have heard. So when you say I'm incapable of sharing the gospel, what you're actually saying, and this will step on some toes, and I, apologize, I don't apologize for that ahead of time, because I believe this. When I say that I am incapable of sharing the gospel, what I'm actually saying is I don't believe the Holy Spirit is strong enough to use me to share the gospel. When I say I'm just not good enough to do this, what I'm saying is it's about me. And I don't think God can use me. Church, we cannot dare to limit what God can do through someone who is willing to serve Him. Amen. We are called to share the gospel. And what's interesting to me is if you go back to Acts, Acts 1, where he says, when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you be my witnesses. From the very beginning, you think it's new that believers want Jesus to return? We're talking 40 days after he rose from the dead. This is, le this is a month it's a month and they're like, okay, uh, so second kingdom now time, right? Like, is it, is it time for the second kingdom? And Jesus says, no, that's not your concern. Your concern is until I do come back, you spread the gospel. It would be awesome if Jesus returned today. Like, greatest day of my life. What if Jesus doesn't return today? What if he returns in a week, a year, a decade, 20 years, 100 years? Shoot, what if we all die before Jesus returns? Am I just going to sit back and wait for that instead of doing what he's told me to? No, it doesn't matter when he returns. We've been called to share the gospel until he does. 
I get so mad that Starbucks doesn't say Merry Christmas on their cups. They don't have a nativity on their cups. This secular company is not proclaiming Jesus. Show me one verse in Scripture where a secular company is supposed to proclaim Jesus. I get so mad that the Bible's been taken out of our public schools. That kids in the public school system aren't hearing Jesus. You show me one passage where the secular education system is supposed to proclaim Jesus. Here's who I see who has been tasked with proclaiming Jesus, the believer. You want Jesus in the halls of the high schools? Train your kids and your grandkids to bring them up there. You want Jesus in Kroger? You want Jesus in Meyer? You want Jesus in the coffee shop? Bring him up there. The church has got to stop saying it's their fault, it's their fault. No, because they were never supposed to proclaim Jesus. You want to see Je Who wants to see Jesus return? How badly do you want to see Jesus return? Matthew 24, 14 says that he will not return until the gospel has been preached to everyone. He says, once this gospel has been preached to every corner of the nations, every people, then I will come back. You want to see Jesus come back? What are you doing to usher it in? Or are you just sitting on the sideline? No, no. The rest of the team, you go out on the field. I'm cool just hanging out with my uniform. We've been called to do this. We've been empowered to do this. It is so much fun to share the gospel with people. It is such a joy, such a privilege to share the gospel with people, and we shirk back from it. And so I have to wonder, is it because we don't think we're empowered to do this or we don't realize it's our responsibility, which is why we wanted to look at those. But then I also wanted to look at, I want to, I want to look at very practical methods. Because maybe you do have a burden. Maybe you're like, I do, I want to share the gospel with people. I just don't know how. All right, let's look through. Let's, let's work through. I've used this method. This is a great tool for sharing the gospel with people. You just have to memorize one verse. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. One verse. Let's break it down. And this is literally, what I'm about to show you on the slides is I've drawn this on the back of napkins. I flipped over placemats and drawn this. I've drawn this. I drew this on the back of my hand one time. I tried to draw it on a piece of wood or on a campfire one time. That didn't go so well. But like, this is a very easy way to break down this verse. All right, so what's the first part? And like, literally, write this down. Wages, sin, death. And leave a little gap under each one. And then you ask the person, right? Mario, what are wages? Oh, it's something you earn, right? Like, I show up, I work, I earn my wages. Great answer. What about sin? Sin is not perfection. Sin is not perfect holiness. Death, death is pretty self-explanatory. So you write these in, right? Yeah, great answers. Earned, not perfect, death. Okay. And then I say to the person, all right, I'll go first. So based on those three, I would put myself firmly on this side because I, I am not perfect. And so because I am not perfect, I have earned my wages of death. A lot of times a person been like, yeah, I think I'd, you know, and you're like, where, where do you think you'd fall? Like, do you think you fit on this side? And, and since you went first and said, hey, I'm not perfect, it gives them the freedom to be like, yeah, you know what? I'm not perfect either. Okay, so now we're both on the same side. And what's on the other side? What's on the flip side of that? Free gift, God, eternal life. Second half of the verse, or second third of the verse. There's three sections, right? And so then again, you just, okay, what's a free gift? Well, it's unearned. Yeah, great, exactly. 
What's God? Perfect holiness. What's eternal life? Like death, self-explanatory. And if you'll notice, free gift is the opposite of wages. God is the opposite of sin. Eternal life is the opposite of death. So you have this great juxtaposition, right? And so now I'm talking to the person, I'm like, okay, so you and I, we're both on the side of sin and death. I don't know about you, but I would much rather prefer to be on that other side. Right? Like eternal life sounds way better than death. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. Fear is one of the top three, or fear of dying is one of the top three fears in our world. So you get people here, and it's like, okay, yeah. All right, so how do we get from, from not perfect to perfect holiness? How do we get from death to life? I can't work my way. I mean, could you be, and I, right, like, do you think I could be perfect if I just tried hard enough? Right? No. I'm like, right, so you probably couldn't be perfect if you just tried hard enough too, right? Right. All right, so what's the final third of the verse? How do we get from one side to the other? In Christ Jesus our Lord. It's the only bridge. It's the only way across. You know, and now you start breaking down, okay, confess, repent. But this, I mean, if you, are, if you are totally new to the idea of sharing the gospel with someone, if you've never done it, this one verse method is so, so neat and, and concise and opens the door for so many conversations. So I encourage you, memorize this. We'll send this chart out too. Use it. It's not mine. I didn't come up with this. You don't need to cite anybody. Use it. Here's some other practical questions, again, that I've learned or that I've used. Hey, you know how people, Bruce, we work together. You know how people talk about those like life-defining moments? You ever have one of those? Guys, we all struggle with ego. Everybody likes to talk about themselves. I do, I admit, right? Like it's a, right? Like, Mario starts telling me a story and what happens in our mind? We start thinking like, oh yeah, that, something like that happened to me. Oh, I need to tell Mario about my experience, right? Like, so you ask somebody, hey, you ever have a life-defining moment? Like what are some of the biggest moments in your life? They love to talk about that. And they start sharing. When I was down in Miami on my missions trip, I was painting the wall next to a guy. I didn't know him. I was just like, hey, dude, you ever have a life-defining moment? Tell me about one of the biggest moments in your life. He's like, yeah, I played basketball. I was actually really good. Like, he played in the same, like, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. Like, he played against those guys. But he was a little short. And so he was like, you know, I, I kind of got recruited. I got cut from a training camp. So I went over to Europe. You know, some of the scouts told me, like, if you just put in a couple years in the European Professional Basketball League, get some experience, you have a real shot at making the NBA. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. And he's like, well, like three weeks into playing in Europe, I blew out both my knees, like tore both ACLs. And he was like, and I was done. And my whole life had been basketball, and now it was taken away from me. And I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I'm like, man, that's crazy. So, like, what, you know, what did you do? And we start talking, right? You know what human nature does in conversations? He finishes talking, and he immediately says, well, how about you? Oh, you know, that's a really good question. Yeah, let me tell you about some of my major life-defining moments. Let me tell you about confessing Jesus as Savior. Then let me tell you about, like, my brother was sexually abused. I struggled with bitterness and anger and hate about that. Like, when I forgave the man who did that, that, that was a major life-defining moment. Whoa, how'd you forgive this guy who hurt your family like that? Remember that Jesus that I talked about? Like, that's such a good question to ask people. Hey, Steve, you ever have any, like, major life moments? You know, like, what are, what are some of your biggest life moments? Hey, okay, Steve tells me. 
human nature, conversational nature, I almost guarantee he will say, well, how about you? Boom, open door. Share your before-after story, right? If they say something about anger, about bitterness, about resentment, about not feeling like I'm good enough, right? Like, learn to listen so you hear words that reveal a heart of pain, right? Like, yeah, well, I'm sure I screwed it up. All I do is screw things up. You know, what makes you say that? That's, I mean, that, like, I feel badly that you think that about yourself. What makes you say that? Well, you know, being like, I grew up with a perfectionist dad, and anything I did was never good enough, and so I just kind of learned that I'm constantly falling short. Like, man, that's hard, right? Like, I used to feel like that, and then something changed for me. Whoa, really? Are you serious? What changed? Well, let me tell you my before-after story. That's a great conversational topic. Opens up the doors. Open doors. And then this last question I love. I've gotten crazy answers about this from this one. What's wrong with asking someone, hey, what do you think about God? You, it's, it's amazing what people open up to you when you're just like, right, you're driving with somebody. There were four of us in a car in high school one time going to an away, I don't even remember, we were going to an away game. And it was quiet for like three minutes. So I'm in the back seat and I was just like, hey, what do you guys think about God? One guy just laughed. And the other two were like, oh, this is what I think about God. Oh, interesting. Why do you think that about God? Well, because, it, right? Open door. I mean, that's such a good question because you're asking someone, hey, I care about your opinion. I take your opinion seriously. I see value in you. I want to hear from you. Open door. It's not hard. I mean, it can be intimidating if we've never done it before. But when we realize that we have the best thing that could ever happen to them and it's a privilege to share it with them, you start looking at these open doors like joys. I can't wait to walk through this. And so that's, I mean, that's the discipline of evangelism. And we have to ask ourselves, if I claim to be like Jesus in my purpose, am I engaged in evangelism? I think when the church takes it seriously, that'll be a lot of fun to watch and to be a part of. I don't want to miss out on that. This is awesome that we get to do this. And the question for the whole series, and I just want to quickly recap, the question for the whole series that drove this, right? Am I disciplined in pursuing my God-given purposes of preaching Jesus, which we just looked at, and then being like him? And so we looked at, am I disciplined in Scripture? John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Psalm 119, 15 through 16, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. If I say I want to be sanctified, God says, okay, sanctify them in truth. What is truth? My word. A believer must be disciplined in Scripture. Prayer. Are we disciplined in prayer? Acts 1.14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves, devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And if you were here that week, if you listened to the sermon, we looked at the Acts model. Maybe our prayers get stuck in a rut and, and prayer life has become nothing more than God. Here's my demand list. Here's my hostage negotiation ransom demands. So we looked at, okay, is my prayer, does it have A, adoration? Do I pray C, prayers of confession? Do I pray T, prayers of thanksgiving? S, prayers of supplication, requests? So we looked at that God is our Father, and He says, come to me with your requests. But all of those must have a place in our prayer life. Are we disciplined in prayer? We looked at fellowship, koinonia. 
people being devoted to one another. Not just an attendance record. Oh, I'm devoted to the church. Well, yeah, how? Well, I show up every Sunday morning. Okay. Do you serve? Do you know people? To... No, I don't do any of those things, but I show up. Well, you're not devoted to koinonia. You're devoted to an attendance record. So we looked at our believers devoted to a discipline of fellowship. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the koinonia, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Romans 12.13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Sam, nobody's invited me over in a month. I'm sorry to hear that. Who have you invited over in a month? Oh, nobody? Begin there. Seek to show hospitality. Be disciplined in pursuing fellowship. We looked at, am I disciplined in serving? Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 1 John 3, 14, through 16, or 14 and 16, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You want to demonstrate that you've passed from death to life? Love the fellowship. Love your fellow believers. How do you demonstrate that you love your fellow believers? Lay down your life for them. Show up early to serve them. Give up a Saturday morning to help them. Sacrifice your time, your life for theirs. That proves that we love the fellowship. Are we disciplined in serving one another or do we view it as a burden? Am I disciplined in worship? Romans 12:1 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Matthew 6:24 No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Mario Pastor Mario did a great sermon breaking down that worship is undivided devotion. So if we find ourselves saying God and we've automatically missed a discipline of worship. God doesn't share the top of our priority list. It's undivided devotion that's a discipline of worship. And then we looked at giving, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Deuteronomy 16, 17, Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, that he has given you. We looked at that giving is not a, a, a random dollar amount, right? Like Joe Curry said, 40,000 is a lot of money. And I was like, yeah, 40,000 is a lot of money, right? So for Community Bible Church, generosity is 40,000. Oh, you gave 39,000? Sorry, you're just not very generous. No, that's foolishness. We looked at giving must be joyful, it must be voluntary, and it must be generously. If these words do not describe our approach to giving, then we are not disciplined in biblical giving, and we are called to be so. And the bottom line in this whole series is Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I have to ask myself that. Sam, if you call Jesus Lord, are you doing what he tells you to do? I think biblically it's clear that God has called us to these disciplines. He has called us to be trained in godliness, to be pursuing it with all our energy, all our effort. 
So we have to ask ourselves, church, family, am I doing everything I can to pursue disciplines of holiness, of righteousness? Am I pursuing these things to my best? This is what we're called to. This is what we get to do. Everything that God does is for our good. These disciplines are for our good. The one week I asked, they they help us become more like Jesus. Isn't that what we want? Don't I want to be more like Jesus? Then why would I make a decision to avoid something that will help me be more like Jesus? So this week... These are the same passages we read to start the series. I want to I wanna finish back where we started. Read 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, and 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10, and then verse 15. We'll have a little card by the door for you. You can use a bookmark in your Bible. It's got all this information on it. And the question is just simple. It's the question that began it. Am I disciplined in training for godliness? The prayer idea is, Lord, thank you for the model of Jesus. Thank you for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your... Like, Thank God for what he's given. Ask, us, you know, ask him to help us live in them. Those are some prayer ideas. And then the connect. Reach out to someone else and ask them to be your gym buddy. They've shown the easiest way to stick with a workout plan is to do it with somebody else. Right? So reach out and be like, hey, dude, I'm not disciplined in this. I'm going to train in this. Will you help me train and hold me accountable? Yeah. Oh, by the way, while we're talking, I'm not disciplined in this. Will you help me train in this? Get a gym buddy. We're not meant to go through life alone. Let's use the fellowship for what it's meant to be. Because at the end of the day, you can sit here and you can nod your head and say, great sermon, super convicting stuff. But if you don't do anything with it, then you're missing the ownership part. James 1.22, don't just listen to the word, but do what it says. Church, are we going to be disciplined in training for godliness? This is the question we need to answer. This is the opportunity in front of us. This is the joy in front of us. Let's join in. Please pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all you've done. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for what you've laid out for us. Forgive us for when we make excuses and avoid it. Forgive us for when we get distracted and forget about it. Burden our hearts with a pursuit of holiness. Burden our hearts with a training for godliness. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. May we surrender to him and walk in his ways. Thank you for the model of Jesus. May we imitate him with everything in us. This is an awesome task in front of us. May we pursue it with all of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.